Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, pop culture historian, writer for Scary Monsters Magazine, and curator of the Crypt of Classics. Co-hosting, as always, is the maestro of mail-order mysteries and owner of HouseOfTheUnusual.com, the one, the only, Eddie Guevara. Eddie, how's it going tonight? How are you, Joe? How are you doing, buddy? Oh, good, man. Allergies are kind of kicking my butt a little bit here, but we're going we're well, to maybe to maybe. Maybe one of the urban legends will clear your allergies. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, man. Hopefully, it'll, it'll scare the uh, the clearness right out of my nose. And I, that's our our spooky topic tonight, man. Going into uh, the Halloween season, we're going to talk about some urban legends tonight, and um, hopefully, touch on some different ones. I uh, just want to throw it out real quick that the urban legends topic was. Uh, recommended by a good buddy of mine, Mark Rosetta. So, Mark, if you're listening out there, big shout out to you and thank you for the uh, the recommendation, man. Hopefully, everyone enjoys this, gets a little spooked out, and uh, so let's get started. What's uh, what's some of your favorite and most notable urban legends? Well, the the one urban legend that I have is kind of interesting because I was born in Cuba and I was born in a farm. And in fact, my farm where I was born, there was like dirt floors. And the only reason I remember that, even though I came at the age of four and a half, is because when I came from that farm with horses and cows and all that stuff, I came to live in New York City, the biggest city in the world. So basically, you know, there is when you live in a farm where you're, you know, my grandfather probably had over 100 acres, give or take. And um, just to think of it, there's a lot of legends that uh that come around in in you know rural areas like that, and one so-called legend is um right across the uh, so basically look at it this way you have a dirt road, and the dirt road is is right separating my house from my uh, grandmother's mother's house, which was I would say a good uh 500 feet away from our house, and you walk through a pavement not a pavement you walk through a little walkway that was basically. Uh, chopped out of the grass because, you know, it was all like solid, you know, it farm. So now my aunt's house had in the, not my aunt, but I'm saying my mother's um, grandmother's house and, and her aunt lived there as well. Um, they had this door in the, and, and just to give you an example what the house is like, consider the house is basically like if you, anybody who's familiar with Gilligan's Island, the way the huts were, well, the living room and the kitchen were mostly just like that. We had, you know, it was very, very uh, ancient, you know, kind of like the Indians, right? And now there was a door that separated the living room from where the kitchen was. Now in the kitchen, the stove that they used back in the day were like the ones from uh, the time of uh, Washington that you would put coal and, you know, it was a coal burning stove, but the stove was made of concrete. And as I was going, I, I forgot what it was because the only light that you had were those light lamps or oil lamps that you would put oil and then you had the wick. And, and that's the only way that you can go around. So they were in my, my mother's grandmother's house. Um, a few people were sitting in the living room there. They were talking. It was late at night. 
Now, late, how late? I don't remember the exact time. But as I was there, I, I decided to go towards the kitchen. And when I walked from the living room to the kitchen now, so that you get an idea what we're talking, the house was like, let's say, a, a T, a letter T. Uh, the living room and the two bedrooms were where the T is. And then you walked in, you know, this little hallway. And then there was the kitchen. But in this little hall, not hallway, but like another room kind of adjacent to the living room, there was those doors that you see in the old west when you go into a bar and the top door and bottom door that you have the two doors. Well, I remember going and when I looked to the right, I seen a, a hand reach and grab the bottom door. There was a hand that just the, I saw the, the thumbs, not the thumbs, the uh, fingers on the top and the side of the door and kind of pushed the door back and forth a little. So when I saw them, I don't know what made me, drew me to just go and open the door and look outside and there was nothing. So, of course, I ran over to the living room. And then when I ran to the living room and I told my uh, my mother's aunt what I had seen, apparently it, it freaked her out because apparently her son had seen the same thing for, you know, 30 years earlier. You know, <laughs> I guess wow. it, it's one of those legends. And another legend that they had is that um, now my mother has a total of six brothers and sisters. And they're, it's a huge family. And when they were there, there was this legend that apparently when you walked in the woods, there was a huge rabbit that would jump out and see. And, you know, my aunt saw it. My uncle saw it. I, I mean, I never got to see that. But I do remember that when you're in the deep woods like that, there's a lot of noise and stuff that come about. And I still remember vividly exactly what I saw. And that's my legend. So go ahead, Joe. You tell us yours now. Well, one of the – there's a few that I – I do remember from, you know, around the Northeast Ohio area, and there was, um, I'll, I'll touch on a few of them real quick. Uh, one of them was, I remember it had to been around the mid-80s or so, but they called it the, it was something like known the the man under the car or the ankle slicing car thief. And what it was is that there was the, you know, rumor, legend, whatever going around that, you know, if you were in a in a large, you know, maybe mall parking lot or department store parking lot that there was somebody under the car that would slice your, your leg. They would wait for you to open up the, the car door, slice your leg and, you know, then steal your car. Um, there were some variations of that legend that was going around that it was um, a gang initiation thing that there was, you know, an escaped convict that was going around and, he was slicing, you know, people's leg with, with the knife. So that was going around pretty heavy in the eighties around Northeast Ohio. And it was, I remember, you know, my, my mom being afraid of it and warning us that, you know, the closer we got to the car to make sure that we look under that. So nobody was underneath it. And I remember being in the, the Hills department store parking lot and how, you know, we would, you know, we'd be about 20 feet from the car and we would have to look underneath to make sure that, you know, the ankle slicing guy wasn't there. So that was pretty, you know, something that was pretty scary, but it caught like, you know, the, the hysteria of the time. You know, what you're saying right now, again, another when like I said, when you come from depending where you are, you know, in, in big cities like New York or Ohio, it, you, you're likely to have a lot of urban legends, but it usually comes more like from farms and the out, you know, the Midwest right. somewhere. And another one that was going on, like in, in Cuba, that I remember, because I remember my cousin telling my mom about it. Um, 
where she where you go to school i mean in cuba once you turn like six years old they take you away to boarding school so you won't you know basically everybody goes to boarding school and one of the things that was going on just you remind me that's why i'm bringing it up now is that my cousin was saying that somebody was going into the dorms where the girls were sleeping and stuff and with some type of uh not the old-fashioned blades uh like shaving blades, you know, the ones the that they used blades. to use in the, the old West. Oh yeah. They, yeah. The, so well, you're the, talking about sw- switch blades or the, uh, the, like the old folding uh, razor. No, no, no. The old folding razors that somebody okay. will go with one of those and cut the women's butt- buttocks. And that, believe it or not, was a, I think that I think was actually happening and they couldn't get who it was. And I remember hearing that as a kid and it, it, it put fear in me, you know, <laughs> you always checked around your shoulder, make sure everything was good. And then coming to America and seeing uh, the famous Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, yeah. <laughs> you know, I it was pretty terrorizing for a young kid, man. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Well, there was a another good one from when I was young, and it's a it's it's probably one of the more popular ones, I guess, in in Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania. I, I'm not sure how far out of that area it's got, but it's that of the Green Man, and. The way the urban legend is, is that uh, the Green Man, he was an actual, an actual man, you know, that, that was later found out. His real name was Raymond Robinson. But he, when he was young, around, I believe it was eight years old, he had suffered an electrical injury that kind of melted the skin on his face and it turned it like a, a, a greenish hue. Well, he wasn't able to go out during the day. So at night he would go take his walks and, you know, he lived in a, in a back country, you know, house. So he would take the back country roads. So when the kids would, you know, high school kids and all that, they would hear the, uh, the tales of the, the green man walking the road. So they would go, you know, driving and, and looking for this guy, you know, walking around and they would see him. If you, you could look online and find actual photos of him, you know, how distorted his, his face looks. But, um, that you know that was a, a huge urban legend that was going around in the the 80s you know the 70s and all that and uh my father he actually visited the the green man on one occasion because the guys from uh, somewhere in beaver county i think it was uh brighton township in uh, pennsylvania so it's right near where i'm at but a lot of the teenagers they would go you know some of them when they got to know of the guy, they would go actually deliver him, you know, groceries, you know, alcohol, cigarettes and all that. Well, my father, he was, you know, him and his buddies at one point when they were in high school, delivered the guy some, uh, some alcohol and some cigarettes one night. So he said it was, you know, pretty cool, but the, the guy passed away in, in the mid eighties, I believe 85 or so. But, uh, you know, it was an urban legend for a long time that there was this, the spooky green guy that walked around, but it actually, you know, turned out to be, you know, an actual guy that had a, you know, a childhood injury. So, you know, that was a pretty, pretty cool one that we were always told when, when I was younger. Yeah. You reminded me, there was a poem that um, I don't have it in me and I can't remember all the po- pieces of the poem, but it was concerning. I think it was like a, the haunted house. And it said, something goes along the stairs, something that is, but isn't there. I forgot the rest of the poem, but it's a really cool uh, short poem. And, um, that appeared in one of the books that I actually, you know, we always speak about mail order that I used to order at a Scholastic book club. Um, oh, I love Scholastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Scholastic so much that, believe it or not, back in the in the day when I started my business, 
I I called Scholastic and told them I was going to have a magic uh, shop and and I was going to teach magic and I wanted to give the kids that came in a chance to order books. And I actually opened an account with them and I would receive each month uh, the things you gave to the kids and stuff. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. (laughs) And I I would place order for the books because in school, that was my favorite. I think that was one of the first introductions I ever had to mail order was that book club thing. But what I was going to say to you is that back in, you know, when you talk about urban legends and stuff back in the early 70s, um, one of the things that would happen, say anything that did happen from, let's say, a kidnapping to a murder or something, whether in New York or New Jersey, it would be that that one case will be all over the news and they spend weeks on that single case. OK, because it was like a smaller world, even though we had that many people. Uh, it's kind of like those towns where something happens and everybody, you know, goes and speaks of the same, you know, subject. And one of the things that um, I saw early in the 70s was uh, the first movie I think I ever saw was called The Legend of Boggy Creek, which I believe was one of the first movies about Bigfoot. And the film was pretty darn scary to me at the time, you know. And it made, and then they had, you know, again, you know, the Sasquatch, and then they had also Boggy Creek, a second part to it. And there was a lot. Now, I know Weird New Jersey, which is, you know, Weird Magazine. I think they have them in all the states, if I'm correct. Yeah, I believe so. But there is, um, I forget the name of the road, but there is a road that there is a rumor that if you drive down this road in South Jersey somewhere, um, I forgot the name of the road right now because, you know, we, we just talk about this urban legends and we're, we're just figuring out, you know, what we were going to talk about here. And uh, but this road, oh, yeah, yeah, Clinton Road. It's called the Clinton Road. Supposedly, when you go driving late at night or something, there's a car that comes up to you as you're driving and has the lights off, if, I, if I'm correct in this. And if you turn your light on or whatever, the car keeps following you or something. And that's been going on for quite some time. There's been a legend that... Um, oh, really yeah, that one. Know. Yeah, that one's all over the place. I remember when I lived in North Carolina hearing about that that one down there and you know if you took a back road and you know you've seen a car with its its lights off don't ever uh don't ever flick your lights you know because they'll turn around and follow you and then kill you so that was yeah that was pretty much yeah, all over that that's what i guess is one of the legends and i think if you really look when we were talking about the 10 best films that we like and stuff a lot of those films like jeepers creeper and stuff are based on that stuff because it's very similar to that you know what i'm saying Oh yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, especially that, especially Jeepers Creepers. I mean, that has, you know, urban legend written all over it, and it's you know, it's something that almost makes you think, you know, this could be something believable, you know, because that's well, really at the height of urban legends. Are they, you know, they there has to be some kind of believability there, right? Exactly. And and when I told you, like I said, when I was a kid in Cuba, man, in the middle of uh, nowhere. Um, you know, you know what could resemble the house I lived in? What reminds me a lot of when I was a kid, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that, my house was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> or, or people that watch Bonanza. Yeah. You know, the Ocean Bonanza. Is it Bonanza? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pronouncing this wrong tonight. Bonanza. Yeah, Bonanza. Um, and, and those shows... 
the, like the little house in the prairie, all those shows re- remind me a lot of when I was a kid because, and that's why I still remember so well at the age of four and a half. It sounds kind of crazy, but I remember getting my grandfather's horse at that age, climbing on top of this horse that would just let me climb. And I would go underneath a tree, uh, an orange tree, and I would peel and eat oranges. And I'm saying to myself, how in the world would I have done that at that age, you know? <laughs> but I did. And and I remember that they, one of the things that they used to do is my grandfather had this big palm trees, like the ones in Florida. They technically, they don't grow in this country, but they, they have them in Florida, but in Cuba. I, I forgot what they used to, whatever the trees did, I think they used to give that to the hogs, the, the pigs and stuff in the farm. So my grandfather would pay somebody who would take two ropes and they tie their foot on the thing. And then they would climb this tree by, you know, raising one of the ropes at a time. And it was kind of cool. And I, I was so fascinated by that as a kid that I actually, you know, my house had columns. Um, in fact, there's a picture somewhere, I think is the only existing picture of it, um, had columns in the front, kind of like the White House has columns like that. Yeah. I would take those and I would actually climb up the columns with the, <laughs> with the ropes pretending I was one of those guys. And then my father had a tricycle. He, he made me a piece of wood with a, with a stick on it and tied it to the front of the tricycle. And I would pretend it was a bulldozer. <laughs> in fact, and this is funny because I'm just saying how the urban legends, you know, work about in, in, in those neighborhoods. One time I was watching um, some bulldozers work and I climbed on top of this barbed wire that surrounded my, my grandparents' house. And I fell and got stung, like all the barbed wires went right into me. And I still to this day have on my finger, the side of my stomach, the scars from from basically hanging, you know, and falling on the barbed wire. Another time my grandfather had, there was a, a valley behind the house and they used to call it the Valley of the Dead because apparently during the Spanish, uh, Cuban-Spanish War back in the 1900s, a lot of people that killed were buried there. And this was basically maybe 20 feet away from my backyard. So I would go into this thing and outside of there, my grandfather had two, two, um, not two, actually four beehives. And one day I took one of those brooms that looked like a wicker broom, like uh, um, those you see in Bugs Bunny that the witch uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even in, in uh, what is that called, that uh, famous movie that they play every Halloween, Hocus Pocus. Those brooms are the ones that my grandmother actually used in Cuba. And the funny thing about it is I took and I whacked the beehive with it, man. I still remember to this day I was covered with bees, man, from you know, oh. yeah, that was crazy because my mom was trying to like, they were trying to protect me. I don't know how the hell I didn't get killed with that. But, um, you know, the thing I could tell you the most is that when it got dark there, man, somebody always had to say something. And in fact, urban legend is so bad in, in neighborhoods like that, that, um, you know, my grandfather told me a story that I thought was hilarious, that there was this cemetery in, in, the, in the town. Now, the town would be like you would see in one of those clean Eastwood um, Westerns. It was just like that. It had a jail cell and, you know, it was all, all dirt road. And this is the town, the main town from my house, right? So there's a cemetery there. The cemetery, I still remember the darn thing, man. 
It was scary to look at because it had a big white entrance, like an arc. And apparently it had doors in the bottom of, of you know, like the arc and the right and left side, which I think is where people uh, that worked in the cemetery, you know, would use shovels and stuff, whatever they needed to bury the people. And one night it was raining a lot. So one of my grand, because my grandfather altogether, I believe he was like 12 brothers and sisters. Okay. So they're, they're packed and one mm-hmm. of his nephews or something was uh, walking home at night and um, he went to the cemetery because it was raining and he stood underneath not to get wet, you know? And he seen, I think, uh, his brother, somebody was coming by in a horse and he goes, hey, wait for me. I like to take, get a ride. <laughs> when the guy heard him, he said, the ride, the hell with him. <laughs> the guy just like, you know, used the, um, the the horse and just like, you know, hit the, not what do you call those things that you're wearing? The, the spurs. He hit the horse with the spur, and the horse just took off, and the guy got wet, which was hilarious, you know. <laughs> I, I I could imagine the uh, <laughs> the stories that went around in little towns like that. I mean, well, you know, at, at the time, there's no, you know, no internet or anything like that, so everything's kind of, you know, unless you have it in a book, you know, it, it's it's word of mouth and word you know, of mouth. Exactly. A lot of, those, a lot of those stories were were handed down, and that's why a lot of them, you know, changed up you know, from its original version. Cause you know, it's like that game we all played in school where the teacher tells the one kid the secret and they turn around and tell the other kid. And by the time it goes through, you know, 30 kids, it, it's completely different. And I kind of think that's how urban legends were, you know, it, they, yeah, they, and they get exaggerated over time. And, and, you know, right. Cause you, you know, I, I remember hearing, um, you know, so many stories about uh Hookman. Now, you know, Hookman, I, I think every town in America has its own, version of Hookman, you know, and you, if you go online and you read, you know, how Hookman actually uh, started, you know, is completely different from what, you know, some people would, would hear. Cause you know, like the actual, the actual original story, you know, came from about the fifties where, you know, guys in his car with his girlfriend and, you know, they hear a bulletin on the radio of a, a mentally ill guy that escaped uh the nearby institution with the hook and you know they 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 the guy comes kills the the people and they find you know a hook hanging nearby or something like that well the the story that had that was in in my town in in the area and was down this old you know it was an old you know country road and then off on the side of the road which is actually still there i visited a few years ago that there is this um natural gas pipe that sticks out of the ground and back in high school you know kids used to go out there drink and all that and light it and you know kind of hang out back there well the the story was or the urban legend you know back in the 80s early 90s and all that was that if you went back there and you lit the gas the natural gas pipe if it actually lit the hook man would come out and he would you know kill whoever lit the pipe you know, that's, you know, completely different Hookman story from, you know, the original one. So you could see how it kind of, you know, evolves, you know, through the different, you know, areas of, of the United States. And I'm sure everyone out there, you know, has their own Hookman story, which, you know, I'm thinking about putting up a discussion question on our forum on, on houseofunusual.com just to see, you know, what, what everybody's, you know, what their own version of Hookman was, because it's, it's pretty interesting. It's probably one of the most 
famous you know urban legends it's in every part of the the country and probably you know different um continents as well so it'd be interesting to see what everybody you know has heard of the you know their own urban legend and where they're from well i i could tell you this much in the early 70s um there was a lot of uh legends even in new york city uh, with people uh, that they either bought because you got to remember you still have a lot of people a lot of nationalities coming into the city and they bring with themselves the legends from their countries and one of the things that I could tell you that was very very popular around the time or mentioned once in a while was like the Jersey Devil or they would call you know oh, yeah, like, that's, yeah that's right and you're you're your neck of the woods, man, the Jersey Devil. Definitely. And here is one that was very interesting. And um, and it's it's funny because uh, I wanted to see if it was possible to have had my, uh, my son appear tonight. And I actually forgot to ask him if, if he could be, you know, <laughs> on the show tonight because... And and this is funny because if... And again, I'm going to say... I'm going to compare it to Abbott and Costello because every time Costello would see something either in Hold That Ghost or Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, he would try to prove it to Abbott. And somehow yeah. <laughs> Abbott would never see it. And and like, say, for example, in Hold That Ghost, every time he goes and stays in one of the bedrooms, it turns into a gambling uh, area. And then he gets up, picks up his pants, and everything goes back to normal. And then he goes, would you believe this? You know, but that's still like a that's still like a popular uh, shtick, you know, oh. in a lot of comedies and all that. Where you'll see something and call your hey, look, look, you see this, and then you know nobody, you know, they don't see. You must be crazy. What do you see? And then you know they turn around and you know there it is again, the ghost or the right. dead body or something. <laughs> well, that that's so that happened to me and my son and his best friend about four years ago. We were not for about three, maybe three years ago, I would say. We're heading up to Boston, Massachusetts, and my son decided, you know, he's driving. So as he's driving to Boston, Massachusetts, the regular route that we go up there, okay, this time I fell asleep in the backseat. So he didn't know how to do it. So he takes the GPS, and I tell him, don't ever use the GPS because when you, when you take the GPS and you're going to go to Boston, it wants to divert you through New York City. And there's no reason to do that. You can go around the thing by just going through New Jersey, right? So um, that particular day, he I fell asleep. And him and his friend, now my son is now 27. So we're talking about he was like 24 or whatever. He's driving. And all of a sudden, I hear him go, oh, uh, uh, you know, and I wake up. As I'm waking up, they say, man, you didn't, you just missed it. I said, well, they, no, they both claim to have seen a huge bird that looked like a pterodactyl. Oh, the Thunderbird. No, well, you know, I would say the Thunderbird, but no, what they saw apparently was a bird that the back, the tail had a triangle at the end, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And they saw it and they were, uh, you know, I think his friend was trying to photograph it with the phone and missed it, was not able, but apparently a lot of the cars had slowed down to look at it. And it flew very slow across the highway. So I'm like, well, I didn't see nothing. He's like, you fellas. So he gets mad at me because obviously I'm laughing at them, you know. 
and they're like, we just saw the bird, you know, and he wanted, he wanted to, <laughs> to come on the show and basically put it, you know, put the thing straight here. Well, you know, that sounds like that, that, you know, it's a, you know, in, in the cryptid world and all that sounds like a, a Thunderbird, you know, the yeah, uh, I, legendary I, North, North American, uh, you know, creature that a lot of people, you know, have claimed to seen that looks like a, you know, a pterodactyl or something like that, which. Well, that could know. be, <laughs> that could be, but he started reading and it was so funny because that same day, I think in the paper, something came out that some people had spotted uh, some type of pterodactyl flying the Massachusetts area. And in fact, it is a legend up there. There's a couple of books on the subject. Now, the, another thing that was similar to that, this is this goes back, I don't know, 20 years, I guess. Now, I'm married 38, so, you know, we're talking a long time ago, right? There was um, where I live in the main boulevard where I live, there was a Toys R Us there that just closed down about two years ago when they started closing down Toys R Us. And when you looked at it from the boulevard, you could see the roof of the building. Now, she claims to have seen this big, giant blackbird on the roof that took off and spread the wings and it turned into a ball as it went and it disappeared, right? <laughs> so I had to laugh at that, too. And they get mad at me because they're saying, you know, we, well, listen, they probably saw something. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to to really, you know, grab something and, and try to believe something that, that you know, you've never seen yourself, let's just say. But Oh, yeah, absolutely. they both collaborated on it. Like my son and his best friend said, we saw it. We saw it, you know. And and it was it was just very interesting because it was funny. And, and I still like to bother him because he gets mad at me when I tell him, I said, Anthony, I'm going to have you in the show. And that's why um, it was kind of funny, though, because I just realized that I should have called him earlier because he would have loved to have been <laughs> on this show. And um, he wanted to part, tell his part of the story. But that's one of the things I could say that, you know, with urban legends and stuff, man, there's always something. In fact, I've read a book. I have a book that's, I think, 50 of the most, whatever, mythical creatures or whatever. Every state has one. And a good example is the Mothman. Now, the Mothman, according to the real story behind it, they said that the United States government had, I forgot where, I don't know if it was Virginia or wherever the Mothman comes from. They were doing parachuting in the middle of the night or something like that. And they had night vision goggles because there was an army base close to there. And there were some campers or something in the area. This is what I remember. I could be wrong what I'm telling you, but there were some campers. And of course, when they start seeing the parachutes coming down and they look and they see two eyes with, you know, that are bright red that are lit up that started the legend of the mothman which has become <laughs> a pretty yeah. big legend you know well i can tell you about one urban legend that you know i actually seen hands-on and you know was kind of able to uh debunk it which is another one that every you know town across america has and that's of the uh the glowing grave you know I, i'm i'm sure you've heard of it and Every, everybody out there has, you know, there's a cemetery with, you know, this mysterious, you know, grave that glows at night. And, you know, it's it's either the uh, the spirit of the, the person there that's making the, the grave glow or whatnot. Well, the one near me, which is in western Pennsylvania, only about, you know, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes from where I'm at, 
a few years back, uh, my wife and some friends, we went to actually go see the grave and it, it didn't really glow. I mean, it, it glowed, but it didn't really glow. It was just a little bit brighter at night, but when we did some research on it, 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 it turns out that it was, I guess, some of the minerals that were used in the, uh, the formation of the tombstone. I don't know if, I can't remember if it was, you know, a combination of the different stones in it that were, you know, catching moonlight and would make it look like it would glow. But, you know, we looked it up, we were able to kind of debunk it, but it is very, you know, in the age of the internet, you're able to do stuff like that. But, you know, I, could you imagine, you know, maybe in the, the 50s or 60s and, you know, you're you're hanging out in the graveyard with some buddies and, you know, having a few beers or whatnot. And you look over and here's this, you know, grave that's just glowing out of all the other graves. And, you know, it, it would be pretty freaky. And, you know, you would have really no way to kind of debunk it or to really, you know, look into it too much unless you were, you know, educated on, you know, what the grave was made or what the tombstone was made out of, or, you know, what the, what rocks were used and all that. So I, you know, I could play kind of place myself in, in that position, you know, that it would be spooky, but, you know, today when we looked at it, it wasn't, you know, and that was a few years ago, maybe about five or six years ago. And it wasn't that, you know, spooky. I mean, it, it was in a sense, but once you were able to kind of put two and two together and figure it out, then it, you know, it made a little bit more sense than it being, you know, the spirit of the dead person making it glow. <laughs> yeah, but that, the problem is that people like to believe things like that. Just like you got to be nuts to be having beers in the cemetery. Yeah, but wow, that was, you know, when a lot of us, you know, in high school, that was, you know, when there's, you're in an area where there's nowhere else to go and nothing to do, you kind of, you know, find the back, back corner of the cemetery or something and, you know, you take, you know, girlfriends or whatever out and, you know, go and hang out there. And that's, you know, that's kind of where some urban legends, you know, start with, you see the glowing grave, there's urban legends of, um, you know, every cemetery has the, um, the statue of an angel, you know, some people, you know, there's an urban legend of the, uh, they'll see the angel fly up to chase them out of the, uh, out of the cemetery and, you know, all kinds of different stuff, you know, the, the grave digger, you know, walking around with a lantern, you know, looking for, you know, teenagers out there that are, you know, drinking beer or having sex or whatnot. So that was kind of how, you know, urban legends, you know, a lot of them were started, well, a lot of them were passed on, and you know, in these smaller towns. Well, now that you said, you you reminded me of the Walt Disney ride, the Haunted Mansion, where there's <laughs> there's a dog with the the grave guy, the grave. Oh guy. yeah, <laughs> you know that he has the the light. What do you call that? The um. The lantern? The lantern. That's right. The lantern. He's got yeah. the lantern. You want me to tell you something interesting about lanterns? When I, I was mentioning to you about Cuba and stuff, I, I we used to have lanterns sometimes, you know. And those lanterns, uh, I was so fascinated with them as a very young kid that I found myself actually purchasing a couple of them as I grew older, you know. I actually have maybe about five or six of them. Never even opened, but. Just because they were lanterns, they reminded me of that thing as a kid, you know, because they had the glass over and it was kind of cool. Now, well, if you want to hear, a, if you want to hear a spooky story dealing with lanterns, I, I don't know if I, I told this one on on another podcast or not, but um, if I haven't or no one's heard it, um, back in oh, it had to be it had to be late nineties, early two thousand, somewhere around there. I was down in um in um, 
in North Carolina in the military. And we were, I'm not going to say exactly where, you know, it was at, but we were out doing maneuvers in this, this large wooded area. And it's, it's surrounded by, um, by cities and all that. And it's well kept. They kind of share it with the military. And it's always, you know, well known that when, if the military is out there, the, the townsfolk, they leave, you know, there, there, there was never any issues. They're always very respectful, you know, and they always worked with us. So the one night we, we get dropped off by helicopter to, you know, do our maneuvers and all that. And, you know, it was real late at night. You know, we had our night vision on, we go, we set up our, our security perimeter and all that. Well, out in the distance, we see a light and it wasn't a flashlight, you know, with a flashlight, you could see the light beam. You could tell it was a lantern because it was more of like a kind of a a 360, you know, large ball light almost. So we said, okay, you know, there's got to be, you know, maybe some hunters out or, you know, maybe the local townsfolk were out walking around or something. They might not know we're back here. So, you know, we had to go tell them to, you know, scoot off or whatnot. So there was me and uh, I think it was maybe two or three other guys, you know, we had to go get these townsfolk and they were, if I can remember correctly, this is 20 some years ago, you know, they were, they were maybe about a hundred yards away. So as we're getting closer, we, you know, we're maybe about 30, 40 yards away. All of a sudden the light goes out and we're like, oh, okay, you know, are they trying to screw with us or, you know, what's going on? So we put on our night vision. Now the areas where we train out there were, um, they, they kept it very neat. The, uh, I, I don't know who did it, maybe the Department of Agriculture. So they always did a lot of controlled burns. So it was very open so you could move around. So you could really see good back there. You know, all you did was have the, the large tree trunks. So we seen the area where they were, you know, we stopped, we put our night vision on, we didn't hear any, you know, rustling through the, the leaves or the sticks or anything like that. So we're going, okay, you know, maybe they, we spooked them and they just kind of stopped and, you know, turned their light off because, you know, you, you just don't know. So we moved into where, you know, this, this light was and we're looking around and there's nobody out there. You know, we, we, we did our little sweep of the area and all that. And, and we said, you know, when you're walking, you could hear the, the leaves cracking, the, the branches cracking and all that. So if they were moving, running, walking, we would have, you know, obviously heard it. So we're looking around, you know, cause we didn't want them to, you know, get in our way of training or put themselves in danger or anything. So as we're walking around, we bump into this uh, old civil war cemetery, right where the, the lantern light was and the civil war cemeteries that they have in these areas. There's usually a few little old headstones and the historical societies in that area, you know, fenced it off so that nobody could, you know, go in there and they, they try to keep it neat and all that. But it was right where that lantern light, I'll never forget, right where that lantern light was, was right where that world, or not World War II, a Civil War cemetery was. And I always thought, I said, you know, was that, you know, ghost of a Civil War soldier holding out his lantern? Or, you know, was it, you know, people from the town that we just missed? But there's, if they were back there, we would have heard them, you know, moving because there, there, there's there's no way that we would have not heard them for how close we were in our night vision. We had state of the art night vision. We would have saw something. So it always, you know, it always made me wonder. It was all, it was really freaky. And to this day, you know, I could still kind of picture it. So, you know, uh, 
I think you would do well to one day try to visit St. Augustine, Florida. It's about 30 miles, 40 miles south of Jacksonville. And it's the oldest town in America. In fact, it's the only town that has a castle. It's the only castle in North America. And it is made of crushed seashells. And I think the walls are like five to seven feet thick. It was never taken in battle. Um, and there is, this is a town that supposedly also has the site where Ponce de Leon was looking for the Fountain of Youth. And when you go to the Fountain of Youth, although I think it was Hurricane Sandy kind of screwed up the, the, the road to there. Yeah. But the actual road, okay, it's about, let's say, five, six city block long. And when you start driving and it has like weeping willows in both sides of the road, but they overlap each other and there's no light coming in like the weeping willows. Yeah. It, it looks like something from Lord of the Rings, let's say one other thing. And the town thrives, I think in ghost tours. Cause even the, Ripley, <laughs> no, believe I, it, imagine. I mean, the Ripley's believe it or not building is like a hundred and <laughs> 200 years old. Um, the, they have the oldest school in the country. They have the oldest house. They have all this, fabulous things and the funny thing about it is that it's a gorgeous town i love it it has you know all I... the pirate the fan but i mean for folklore and urban legends that's a town to go but you know what i wanted to mention to you Joe? i wonder real quick i wonder if the you know the whole fountain of youth i wonder if that would be maybe considered one of the oldest urban legends you know what man i paid like seven eight dollars to go in bro and I was so disappointed. I thought it was going to show something else. It was a museum, bro. Oh, it's really? A museum. Yeah, you walked outside and, and had like rocks and this and that. I said, you know, but there was nothing to do with the Fountain of Youth. And I'm like, okay. Wow. They took it, it for a ride. Cool. It would have been cool if they had, you know, uh, even if it was something they made, you know, a fountain in there that says Fountain of Youth. And you could get maybe a little vial of water from there to wear around your neck. Or, you know, like how they used to do the old... um what was it, uh, the dirt from uh, Castle Dracula where you could, yeah. you know, with a little vowel, you could wear around your neck and all that? You know what? They, they do sell, and I believe I obtained the bottle. I didn't get it from there. I got it somewhere, and uh, somebody gave it to me. I got it on eBay. I forgot where I got it, but it says the Fountain of Youth. It's a bottle, like a blue bottle. has the label on it. Really cool. But you know one thing I'm going to tell you interesting about St. Augustine? St. Augustine is a town that, like I said, if you go there, there's there's houses, like two family houses that have been converted into old bookstores. And when you go in there, like the three floors of the house are all bookstores, old bookshelves filled with old books and antique books. Um, they also had a museum there, which this is so funny. Vincent Price used to go to this museum and he was pictured there. And I think, I believe he was might have been part owner. I think it's called uh, the Potter's. Uh, wax museum and I went there when my oldest daughter who's 34 now was like three years old that's the first time I went to St. Augustine although if you go back about 10-15 years ago the city was a little dilapidated uh, you had a couple of homeless people you know it was not the greatest city to go visit uh, but as of last year that I went that that town has Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to explain. Like I tell my wife, I need to buy a house there for retirement. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome, man. It's got everything you want. If you're a man, you want to be there. 
You could you could start I your would... own urban legends down there. <laughs> oh my god, no! But the best thing is, it even has a magic shop in the middle of the town that's been there about forty years. And the thing is basically that I wanted to tell you though is when you were saying about the glowing tomb, you know, this is kind of leaving the St. Augustine area and going to what I wanted to mention. During the hurricane, and I think it was Sandy that destroyed all the East Coast, we were in my house in New Jersey, we were about eight and a half days. Now, I live in this complex, you know, and it's kind of like a gated community. And there was about eight days, I think, we had no electricity whatsoever. So, you know, you were kind of screwed because even the food got to spoil. And I was lucky enough that the that the guy from next door threw a cord and he had a generator and he would lend me the cord for about five, six hours to run the refrigerator, you know? But one thing that would people did is they came outside to the street and they came outside to just talk. And here's the funny thing. There's no street lights. There's no electricity. But when you looked at the floor in the middle of the night, Gosh, I, I even tried to say it's impossible. It's not going to come out in a camera, even if you try to take the picture. But there was this ash look. Like, in other words, it looked like the entire area was covered with white ash. Oh, wow. And I said, what the hell is this glowing? I guess it must be the lights from the sky reflecting the sidewalk. But it was like the whole neighborhood. And I remember telling my wife, this looks so darn cool, man. <laughs> but you, you couldn't, there was no way to uh, take a picture of it. I tried and it wouldn't come out in the photograph. But there was this, and that's the thing that you mentioned when you said about the grave. Uh -huh. um, I was thinking it probably had the same, the same, you know, because of the rock or whatever they use. Yeah. That the light of the sky from light pollution reflects on the earth or even does, you know, the moon or the reflection. But you do get those mysterious, because uh, you know what? I got to be honest with you. It felt like something, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, where it felt like the there was some type of mist coming off the ground. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nice. That would lend to a, a good uh, good story or something, or you know, your own urban legend or something to pass oh, down God. to the grandkids. <laughs> Here's another story we talk about urgent. When I drove down to Florida, I mean, I flew down, but I went to St. Augustine and I drove from my mom's house in Hialeah up to St. Augustine, right? With my son and my daughter, my youngest daughter, we went. And when we came back, this is another funny thing. My father lives in the middle of Florida, right? So he's like in the center of the state. I forgot what the name of the town is. Something by Lehigh Acres or somewhere, Fort Myers, whatever it is, right? So... We leave St. Augustine, and we left there, I don't know, 12 in the afternoon, 2 in the afternoon, something like that. And we're driving to my father's house. We get there by around 6 in the afternoon. It's still very light because it's summer, right? When we get there, although I'm sorry, I, I think now, you know, come to think, I think I went like in November or something like that. It was kind of like the fall. We're My father, you know, we leave him, and I'm heading down to my mom's house. Now, from St. Augustine to my father's house is about three and a half hours. And from my father's house to my mom's house is another three and a half hours because all of Florida is about almost nine hours from tip to bottom. It's huge, right? Now, as we drove from my father's house, we there was a policeman blocking the road. And, and now the only road that you have there, man, is one that goes in and out. It's like you have a T in the center 
which means there's a road you can either make a right or a left. That's it. There's no side streets and the rest is just roads, right? So the cop tell you know has the roadblocks, so you either have to make a right or a left. Now, according to the stupid GPS, it told us to make a left. So we're driving and driving. Once we drove about an hour and a half, the GPS signal goes dead because there's absolutely no humans now, right? Now it's getting dark. We go off the road. The road comes to an end, and it turns into a dirt road, okay? Now we're driving, and it's pitch black, man. You cannot see nothing in front of you, right? Now, the car I'm driving was like a 2019, so it's a pretty new car. It was my mom's, so, you know, had like a 1,000 miles on it. So, you know, you figure you're okay with the car. So what do you? So we're driving and driving now. I tell my son, we better turn around now. It was hilarious because my son, he's a big guy, jujitsu guy. He was shitting, you know, because <laughs> he's scared now because we're like in the middle of nowhere. And I think he had watched too many of those movies where left turn or the wrong turn, you know what I mean? And um, <laughs> when we, we turn around and we come back, we can't find the main road we got off. And we just, uh, this is funny because we were on a straight line and could not find the middle of the road. Now, my old, my youngest daughter could care less. She was like, don't worry. And I'm like, Anthony, oh, somebody can come with a gun. He says, somebody, I'm like, nobody's going to come with a gun. There's no humans around. So we finally come across this guy in a pickup that was sleeping on the side of the road. I think he must have, because all you had were like, you know, Children of the Corn. Did you ever see that film? Oh, okay, yeah. You know, the, the oh, big, because yeah. that's even in Cuba where I live. That's how my backyard was. You had those freaking big, huge, oversized weeds that went for miles, right? So that's all you had in both sides of the road here. And it's all dirt. There's dust coming in our windshield. So when we turned around trying to get back into the main road, we couldn't find it. Finally, now I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is kind of screwed up, man, because, you know, it's still <laughs> a long way for daylight. And what are we going to do out here? Like, you know, just pull over. And yeah. we didn't know if there was a, you know, we're trying to see the road and you could only see about 20 feet in front of you. You can't see that much, but, you know, we have to keep on going. So finally, when we find the road, we got off. We start driving back, and I said, at least we're now on the main road. You, not main. When I'm saying main, there's nothing around. All you have is we uh, fields of grass in both sides, but at least you're on a paved road. That's what I mean. I mean, a paved road. And we're going and driving and driving. And finally, and this is one thing I'm going to tell people, Google Maps sucks, man. Those suckers would not work. The only thing that worked and kicked in that kind of was a relief was Apple Maps, the one that comes with the iPhone, the maps, they call it just maps. Yeah. And it tells us that in order to get to the main 95 South, I think it was, it was 80 miles away. And I'm like, holy cow, this is crazy, man. So wow. I, I said to myself, now, of course, I try to pretend I wasn't scared. You know, I, pre I wasn't scared either, but I was like, this kind of is weird, you know, like we're in the middle of nowhere. Florida is filled with alligators. Florida is not a place. <laughs> and one thing I realized, I didn't know how suburban, how, you know, the middle of the center of Florida is the Everglades. So in Florida, when you pass what they call Crocodile Alley or Alligator Alley, it's like you have two, two way one side, like two um, lanes. 
going one side and the other side. It crosses from east to, to west in the Florida, in the center of Florida. Now, that is the one of the roads that, first of all, if you don't have gas, man, you're going to drive three, four hours before you find a gas station. And the only th- thing you see in both sides of the road, which during the day is gorgeous, is that the trees are covered by water. Like the base, there's, there's like no land. It's just water and the and when you look at it, it, it basically looks like it's a mirror. So it looks like the trees are planted on top of a mirror. It is so beautiful. But here's the thing. When you're driving in the middle of the night in total pitch dark, there's so many roads in Florida that have like on the side, they have canals that a car can just drive into a canal without even knowing because of the way Florida is. Now, when we finally drove the 80 miles, man, Thank God, praise Jesus at the time, I said, that we hit a main road and I seen a gas station and my son called up my wife and said, Mommy, for a second, I thought you were never going to hear from me again. (laughs) Oh, I can imagine. You know, you can tell he was scared because he's doing like 25, 30 miles an hour. And I'm like, step on. He goes, no, 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 because he was petrified, right? My daughter in the back did not care, which that's that's the funniest thing about it. But I kind of was, and so was he. And the thing was, we finally get to my uncle's house because we had to call to see where we could stay the night. And he waited for us. He goes, no, just come over to my house. And when we got to his house, it was like 1130 at night. And this was, we had left my father's house like 5 p.m., right? I got to tell you. I said to my my father, my even my uncle says, "Well, you're you're uh, you're stupid for driving." He goes, "Not even me that I've been living here forty years would drive that late in the middle of nowhere." And let me tell you, Florida is still so undeveloped. Yeah, if you go to Miami Dade, Miami High, you know, yeah, there's millions of people living there, probably more than New Jersey and New York together, because it's a huge state. But when you go to the center part of it be- between Jacksonville and, and, and Miami, I got to tell you, man, you're like in freaking, I don't know, in some other country where there's not even roads. In fact, there's a lot of areas that are not even paved, man. And, uh, and you know, talking about Urban Legends, brother, that was one hell of a experience that I, I, I will probably never try to do again. I mean, <laughs> honestly, it was like, because how can you go off the road? And there was nothing, man, like nothing in either side. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my sure. God. <laughs> I'm sure that down in those areas, they, they got their own little local urban legends about, you know, that, that type of landscape and, and crocodiles and all that. Yeah. But, you know, hey, we're, we're heading to the, we're at the, the end of the podcast here. So do you, you have any final words for everyone out there? Well, one thing I'm just going to finish off real quick and that what I was going to tell you, the problem with Florida that a lot of people don't realize is that everybody in Florida has a handgun in their car. Like, you know, it's like, you got to be careful where you're at out there, you know? <laughs> I didn't have one because I'm from New Jersey, you know? Um, well, you know what, Joe? It's been a very interesting episode today. In fact, it turned out really good. Uh, I uh, hope people can listen. I hope people listen to us and give us some ideas of what they like, you know, future topics to be about. Um I'm going to say again, our, our show is coming out at uh, 3. It was, supposed, it was coming out at 3 p.m on Wednesdays 
we decided to make that 3 a.m. for the fact that some people that we have uh, friends of ours that have been listening to the show are working out around five or six and they want to hear it. So uh, according to Joe and me, we had a conversation and we've decided to uh, start airing them. At, so the new show will air at 3 a.m. So from 3 a.m. Wednesday morning, uh, every Wednesday, you'll be able to hear the new podcast. And when we have specials, we'll let them run on the weekends. If we interview a special person of some sort or whatever, we'll leave that on the weekends. Also, come to the House of the Unusual. House of the Unusual has a forum, has a blog. We need you guys. I mean, if you just want to sign up for a newsletter and stuff, go ahead and do so. But it will be great if you can also sign up for our actual website. This way you can input on the blog. You can also input in the in the in the forum. And if you go there, there's two beautiful new blogs that are there. One is Gullible's Babbles, which is Todd who's running it, and Joe has got Crypt of Classics. Uh, another great uh, blog there. So having said that, Joe, what do you want to say? Well, that's a, just uh, down in our forum. There's a, um, I just put it up, I believe, I think it was today, if, if I could remember. My mind's all hazy. But, you know, right in our, the forum on hostileunusual.com, there's a section for uh, uh, any type of, you know, show tips. If you have any topics you want discussed or if you, you know, you're, you know, you like a certain topic and you know a lot about it and you want to be a guest, you know, get a hold of us, drop us a line on there and, um, you know, come to the, the website, check us out on Instagram, House of the Unusual and Crypt of Classics. And for the month of October, we're going to try to bring you guys some, you know, some creepy podcasts to get, you know, get you into the, the Halloween season mood and the, and the fall mood. So that's all I got for tonight. Well, so and one thing, thank you everyone for listening. One thing I wanted to say, Joe, really quick is also if you want to ask uh, questions on the podcast, you're able to actually record a question and we'll get to hear it. So that's another thing that we have that, you know, we haven't made you guys aware of, but the podcast can take questions. You can leave it for Sounds us. And they can leave. So uh, other than that, you know what, Joe, have a beautiful night, my friend. And until next time. All right. Take it easy, Eddie. See you, everyone. Oh, yeah.